Hey, 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 welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. Daniel Moses here. Um, this episode, I'm joined by my very, very, very good friend, Mr. Sam Leone, who I've known for literally, I've known you for, I've known you for about four, five, four, yeah, 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 five yeah, years yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. yeah, this guy, this guy is someone that basically saw me when I got started in property and trying to do my first purchase and you know, still running up, you know, running up and down, trying to understand what different finances I can use, especially coming from the background of not having money. Someone who was doing rent to rents and just borrowing a lot of people's property and generating cash flow. So he obviously helped me out as well, gave me a few knowledge, gave me a few support here and there. So guys, just a little bit about this guy. He has been in the property industry for over 20 years. He's got massive, massive knowledge in residential to commercial property development, sales lessons. You name it, he's done it. Right? So guys, without further ado, I want to welcome Mr. Sam. How you doing, Sam? Very good, thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Always good to spend time with you and uh, I see you smiling. It's always good fun. Yeah, man, it's always good fun. I'm really looking fired up today for this one. So, Sam, for those who don't really know you, you've been in the property space for 20 years. Now, 20 years is a lot. I've been in the game for just about six years, right? So, my hat's off to you, right? Yeah, yeah. So for six for twenty good years, right? How has the you know what 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 has been your biggest motivation and how you literally got started in property? So my early beginnings was before even twenty years ago because actually my my old man he was buying two up two down coal mining pit village these houses that you buy in the northeast of England in County Durham for fifty thousand yeah. today. I was buying them in the eighties for like two, three thousand pounds, and flipping them for you know five, six thousand pounds. Very small numbers at the time. In the eighties, the average house price was twenty thousand yeah. pounds, whereas now it's like hitting you know over two fifty. So I was kind of exposed to it back then. So my mum and dad both really loved property, and then it turned out one of my best friends at school, his dad was a big property mogul in the Northeast, yeah. he had his own chain of estate agencies, he was a property developer. Uh, I used to spend a lot of quality time with him, going to like Newcastle United football matches, go and play cricket nets, and go on bike rides to the Lake District. So all of these things, I was like, I always had a good vibe about property, and I always felt you know, good, you make money, you get to spend time with family, it always just resonated well with me. Yeah. Also, my best friend's dad as well had the biggest house amongst all of our friends and the nicest cars, and I was like, <laughs> I want to be like that guy one day. So that was that was how it all really kicked off, um, and so I knew that by the time I hit 18, I wanted to do something in property, and because my parents used to go out and look at properties all the time as well, even when we used to go on holiday, we used to go to like Barcelona, or we used to go and see my uncle in the States, for some reason, I would always like go to the estate agent and go and see some houses. It was yeah. just like a thing my parents did. So, and then I used to see these, um, and then we used to look for properties in London as well. We used to come down on weekends, and I, and I think I had a really good experience with the Foxtons mm. in Hampstead. Um, and this, you know, sharp-looking guy, young yes. guy, came down and he kind of had this nice car, and he used to take us out in the office. Yeah. So I just thought this is this is the life for me, and, and I want to do that one day. So at 18, when I when I started studying business, moved to London from Durham, from the northeast, which is where I grew up. Um, my, it was my old man who said, you know, nobody wants a business graduate with no work experience mm-hmm. and get a job. Get a job. Get a, get a part-time job, get do something. And it was my mother, because nobody would give me a part-time job while I was yeah. studying full-time, not in a state agency anyway, they all, all wanted full-time. She was all like, just 
write on the bottom of your CV that you'll do it for free. And with that, I started to get loads of offers. You know, I had this little Nokia phone and started ringing off the hook. And I just picked the biggest office that was like a drive away from me, which was in Walthamstow, yeah. part of state agency there. Yeah. And uh, I worked Fridays, Saturdays, Mondays uh, for free. I was stapling property lists together. I was getting teas, coffees, lunches. Um, I was just doing anything just to be helpful around the office. And then slowly they'd allow me, like this, then they'd have me at the desk when somebody was sick or, or off that day. And there was applicant cards, so before computers were on desk, before right move and zoop or anything like that. And I'd start, you know, somebody would come in, I would register their details, you know, what's the minimum number of bedrooms you want, what's the maximum value, you know, price you can pay. Uh, and then I'd start looking at the list that we had of properties for sale, and I'd start arranging viewings, and then I'd conduct the viewings, and then I'd bring them back, negotiate offers. And one thing led to another, um, I just did really well out of that. And it was my old man that said, don't spend all the money. Either give it to your mum, she's good with saving money, or buy a property with it. So I was like, I'm definitely not going to give it to my mum. That's really boring. Like all the time, I'm thinking, should I go to a business? Should I spend? What am I going to spend it on? And he was like, no, buy a property. So and again, this is before right move, before Zoopla. A lot of uh, branch managers, they were valuers. They knew where all the deals were. Whether you, you know, whether you can get a distressed seller or somebody yeah. that was willing to sell quite quickly. So I just told him that I was on the lookout for a, uh, for a property, and a couple of weeks later, he, he brought me a one-bedroom flat to, to refurbish. Um, bought that, and flipped it six months later. You know, this was the time when the market was going crazy. Was crazy. Anyway. Just like where we are, what we're experiencing right now. Exactly. You know, these things go in cycles, right? Absolutely. And, then, and you know, right now you've got really low interest rates back then. You had really high leverage on mortgages. I mean, even even now you can get kind of government back ninety five percent mortgages. Back then you can get ninety five percent mortgages, self certified, one hundred percent loans, even more. Yeah. Um, so we 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 were yeah high leverage. I put my money into that, doubled it. You know, it was ten thousand, got twenty thousand back in my bank account. I just decided I'm going to do more of this, mm. and that's what happened. My father brought some cash down with him. Uh, and my mum, and uh, and we all did it together up until 2008. Wow. Like doing side extensions, uh, internal refurbs, rear extensions, loft conversions, houses into flats, commercial conversion. We did one in uh, Hackney Wick. So we just did a bunch of these little things. Um, and as the market was going in our favour anyway, uh, so which helped out. But in 2008, music stopped. Everything just totally chilled out. Um, we decided to pretty much take a break from what we were doing. Buying and selling wasn't a good idea at that time because you didn't know, like, from today There's always home. a market for it, isn't it? There's always that market where you can either buy and keep or you can either buy to sell and make some money, isn't it? I think, and that was the market that was good to buy and keep, to be yeah. honest. And, and we, we were more in the mode of, like, thinking about buying and selling because that's how you build your cash pot. But we held on to some of the units that we really liked because they were like, wow, that's a really nice corner plot. Oh, that's a really nice muse gated you know uh, building a factory conversion this was before even commercial conversions or pd was a thing so we kept we kept a bunch of them um and those did really well because they you know some of them went up like have gone up five six times over the last 20 years mm -hmm. so seen some really really strong growth and we'll, i think you know you, i think with everything you need a little bit of luck in life because if we've done the same thing we're all based in the northeast like property prices over there haven't doubled and tripled and no, absolutely. So the fact that we were able to come to London, um, I mean, I've got a lot to thank my parents for. They gave me the direction. Um, they gave me, you know, uh, a lot of encouragement as well. 
I know that some other like people that I know that they just have they have parents or people around them that are very risk averse, mm. but they're you know they're really scared. You know, my, don't do it. Don't do yeah, it. Don't yeah, do exactly. It. Like, imagine what could happen. School, go exactly. to school, get a degree. Exactly. You know, get a paycheck, and that's it. And you're happily ever after. Exactly. It wasn't like that for me. With my dad being a businessman, he was like. He was all. He always told me like, now do it now because now you can make mistakes. Yeah. If you do it later. You can't afford to make those true, mistakes. True. So the sooner you start to make these mistakes, the better. The better. So that was uh, really positive. Very fortunate on my part. Um, and in two thousand eight, when when the, the interest rates collapsed mm. and the rents went through the roof, we had this huge profit margin at the end of every month. And these were all buy to lets as well. Like HMOs weren't really a thing then. You weren't having to like worry about utility bills, like really straightforward, pretty low maintenance, you know, buy to let. Um, we used that profit margin to pay off all the loans by 2015, between 2010 and 2015, we had another property boom. Um, and we also were able to pay off all the loans because we didn't spend any of that money, basically. I went off and I ended up living in Hong Kong for five years. Right. Um, Do you speak the language? <laughs> I can barely say stop in a cab or something. <laughs> lead up, lead up. Wow, wow, wow. So what a story of how literally you, your 20 years has really gone really quick. It's gone quick, isn't it? 20 years, a lot of experience, you know, the family support, building a massive, you know, vital portfolio. Yeah. And now you've done so well in the, in the finance industry as well. So you are quite someone to be reckoned with in the industry. Well, I mean, I, I think passion has a lot to do with what where what's driven me um, to where I am today. And over the last five, six years, from 2015, I did get more into the finance side of things. Yeah. So, you know, wanted to refinance the portfolio and go again and start reinvesting looking at flips, looking at high yielding income generating assets yeah. across commercial or, or, or residential assets like HMOs, yeah. uh, which we've done a lot more of recently. Um, the commercial conversion thing, I think that that's, like back before 2008, these big terrace houses in London, everybody yeah. was converting them into flats. That was like a yeah. big thing. Um, now, a lot of that's been done already and there's not that many of those types of deals uh, left over for, for, yeah. for developers. Now it's the commercial asset turning it into residential or just repurposing it. So that on the development side, on the investment side, been, you know, we've been active and, and continue to do stuff. Got a bunch of little deals on the go from the northeast and through the West Midlands down in Kent. Um, but the finance thing has really been what's kind of caught my attention over the last five years. Mm. I always tell everybody like the three things that you need to be able to, to do property investment development, you need to first have the land, the property. Yeah. Then you need to have the knowledge of well, how you're going to add value. Is it going to be through construction? Is it going to be through legal? Is it going to be through planning? Yeah. Um, you know, what are you going to do to add the value? Are you going to extend the lease, etc. Having that knowledge, that yeah. skill set, and then it's the money. You know, if you've got all three things, you can make money. Yeah, you, know, you can make deal after deal after deal and make and be very successful and profitable. So I thought, if I'm going to get really involved in one of these three things, which one would it be? Am I going to be an agent? Am I going to be a land agent? Am I going to be a you know a, a, a like a, a, a site finder, or am I going to become a solicitor or a planning consultant or a you know a contractor or something, yeah. or am I going to learn where the money's coming from and, and how to handle it, whether it's debt or equity? How am I going to build 100% of a project cost? Am I going to get you know skillful on that? Um, and I ran on all cylinders to begin with because I've got the estate agency background, you know, the way that we used to do canvassing, do direct to vendor marketing. I you know I started to do a little bit of that, which was good and successful. I had its, but then. 
And then the contracting thing, I can explore to that. Like, do I really want to? Like, do I do I really enjoy being on site in that way? I mean, I love being on site, but do I do I have the skills that do I have the background? Do I have the passion to know how everything kind of fits together? And then be on site to make sure it happens and make sure people arrive and work. Not so much. The finance thing was really interesting because, for me, looking at spreadsheets, you know, looking at cash flow forecasts, um, understanding returns. Um, and, and piecing capital stacks together, it just came very naturally to me, you know, understanding the senior, the mezzanine, the equity, the preferred equity, how it all sits together. Um, and then being based in London, where there's just so much capital sloshing around, you know, being based in, uh, in Mayfair as, as, uh, is where, where I ended up and, and kind of running those streets yeah. for many years, yeah. I just found that there was loads of high net worth, there was loads of challenger banks, there was loads of... Um, family offices there was loads of people wanting to get capital out there so I was like right if I can get access to all of this cash yeah. then I can go shopping then I can go and find deals yeah. so let me just get really comfortable with knowing where the money is um, because I do know a deal when I see one I, you know, and I've got really good professionals around me whether it be quantity surveyors uh, site valuers um, solicitors Everyone. architects yeah. all of those guys yeah. Um, but I'm, I don't have an, enough time to be able to catch up with them and to be able to do their, their skill set. I can just bring those guys in. Let me go and find out where the money is and then I can start to allocate capital on deals that I think which are worthwhile. Then I met this really, 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 really cool guy as well, I must admit. Uh, he, he, he was incredibly successful um, and he wanted to found a lending business. So I actually, the conversation started, I was like, let's develop together. And he was like, well, no, I want to do a lending business. And when he explained it a little bit more, I was like, yeah, that definitely sounds like a good idea. Very scalable. Um, and for where we are with our skill sets based in London, it just made sense. Yeah. So I was a founding member of that business, um, which grew its fund from zero to literally over 300 million. Um, and, you know, I had up their origination for them. So over the... the you know, the 18 months before I left, we reviewed over 750 applications for loans. Um, and this was across, you know, these, these were ticket sizes, anything from like a million pounds up to, you know, 50 to 100 million pounds. Yeah. Our appetite was sitting between three and 30 million. Mm. And it was all development finance. So very quickly, like you get applications to build a hotel. Like, right, that's not for us. So you can kind of discard that. Yeah. Out of those 750 applications, uh, we must have sent over 250 terms out. And then we signed up a bunch of deals, which totaled, uh, originated about 100 million in that period. Wow, wow. So it was, it was, it was, it's, it's been a crazy ride. And I think it's purely all off passion. I just enjoy, I, I would do this stuff for free, to be honest, if, I, if, I, if nobody paid me. <laughs> Great. I mean, just to kind of break this down a little bit for, you know, for our audience, right? So... I'm a, I'm a very big advocate of anyone can literally start from zero to building a property or portfolio empire because I'm on the way of building my own empire at the minute. And so far, we've done that really well in the last, uh, in the last um, 18 to 24 months. We've done over seven acquisitions in our personal portfolio within the Property Wealth Corporation. And our students as well, we've done, you know, purchase with over at least three million. Uh, it's a combination of deals that we've done in the last um, in the last twelve months in itself. You know, over twelve million, around ten to twelve million pounds. So I'm a serious advocate of you can start from nothing, you can get to somewhere as long as you have the knowledge, 
as long as you can find the land, and finally, as long as you can get the finance. So, and you are, you are a financial expert in terms of having been able to set up Hilltop and now Mary Oaks as well, and you deal with different types of development finances from mezzanine to senior debt, yeah. um, you know, raising debt in general. So can we kind of break down, you know, how anyone, for example, two audiences we're going to talk about here. First, audiences, they've got the money, you know, they have the right deal, how can they fund it? Or uh, someone who's got a deal, there's equity on it, how can we raise debt to, to do the purchase, the acquisition, and then obviously uh, develop the actual property. So in two ways, so first we're gonna to go to those who basically got the money, but they got the deal. You know, how, what, what, what are the ways they can finance a deal? You know, and I think that this is the holy grail, right? I don't have any money, but I've got something of value. Yeah. You know, I've got, I, know, I know it's got value and I know how to unlock the value. I just don't have the cash. Um, if you can find the money and you've got those other skills, I think, you know, you, you, the returns on equity effectively, you know, because you, you're putting in sweat equity, um, it is incredible. And that's the holy grail. That's, that's the, the number one best way to make money uh, out of investments. The way that it works is to have that knowledge, basically, and have that confidence and have the experience, ideally. So take an example that we found a piece of land and we think we can build two houses on it you've effectively got to create what I would consider to be um, a document, which is, you know, call it a, a, a memo of some yeah. sort, uh, an investment memo. Yeah. And you've got to say, look, this is who we are. It's almost like a business plan. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is the site. This is the due diligence. This is the risk. These are the mitigants. You create that credit paper or that equity paper or that investment memo. You create that and then you go cap in hand and you go from one investor to another and say, this is what I'm doing. As long as you can sh prove to them that you've thought it through, you've got your numbers, you've got your contingency, you've got your stress testing, and you, you know, you've, got, you've got your cash flows, you can show the real detail. You know, to raise up to 300 million pounds for, 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 for a business to, to deploy capital into the market, it's a similar process, you know, we, we, we have to start with, you know, going to other institutions, challenger banks, etc., to be able to get this capital from them. Yeah. When you just condense that down to a much smaller version, it's exactly the same. You have to have confidence, you have to have knowledge, you have to ex have experience. If you've got none of those, I would argue, I would go so far as to say, it's, you've got to do a similar thing to what maybe you've done, Daniel, in that you've got to surround yourself with those people that do have, mm -hmm. and you've got to be that little bit patient, you've got to read the books, you've got to attend the events, you've got to go, you know, you've got to go and just immerse yourself in that space until you do have that knowledge, you do have that experience. And then you can speak up the same language as those people that are looking to make those investments. Because the one thing that you can guarantee is that there are people out there with cash that need to deploy it. Right now, you have the money in the bank, it's not earning you anything. So they're looking to move it into some yeah. vehicle or other. And they've got loads of people calling them up, or there's loads of adverts saying, hey, put it here, put it there. Um, you know, you've just got to come up at the right time with the right person with the right uh, investment plan, and you will get that investment. But it takes time, it takes patience, it takes dedication, and it takes being organized to create this really, really quality investment memo. Absolutely. Now, what are the different types of ways, um, for example, that we can, you know, we, you know, we can raise money? So we talked about, you know, mezzanine. What, what is that? So I always tell people I build, I build capital stacks. 
Okay. So what's Pop- stock to stocks yeah. as well? Because this is yeah. we're gonna try and break it down. <laughs> <laughs> so this the capital stack is is imagine a block like a, a high rise block, mm. um, and there's different layers to it mm. which you have to um, source, which will have different risk reward ratios and yeah. different return r- ratios. Yeah. So. Typically, if we try and use an example that most people will be able to resonate with and understand is the buy-to-let. The buy-to-let is a 75% loan-to-value mortgage, mm. which is the, the bottom part of the capital stack. So it's literally um, the lowest risk because the property market has to drop 25% plus um, for any lender that's giving that money to, to lose any, any of their, 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 their capital. Yeah. So, that's the first part. That's readily available. That's really easy. It's really cheap. You know, you can get a buy to that mortgage now for 2.79 on a limited company, 1.79 on a personal name. That's readily available. The mezzanine is the bit that sits on top. Like a mezzanine, it's kind of the, the layer that you'd say, you, you see it in properties, right? You've got a mezzanine level, which is kind of like overhangs the, the rest of the property. Um, it's, the, it's the second tier, effectively. And that is a riskier part because that's 75% LTV the mezzanine will take up, let's say, another 5% LTV. So you've got literally up to 80% loan to value. So that slither on top, instead of paying like 3 4 5% for it, you'll pay maybe 15% for it. So a lot pricier. It's a small slither, so you're not, like, you might not be hemorrhaging as much money, but for that little bit of money, uh, for that little bit of capital, you will be paying more for it because it's higher risk. Then on top of that, then you've got things like preferred equity and common equity. Those things get even pricier. Um, You know, you're looking at returns of 20% plus. Typically, they're not debt. They will be equity, so they will have a profit share. Um, So they're they're slightly risk-adjusted. With debt, you've always got to pay it back. You're always on the hook for that money. With equity, you should be able to negotiate the look. If there's no profit in the deal, we all walk away with nothing, but that's why I'm giving you 20% returns and not 3% like I'm giving you the bank. So what I do is I will take each layer of that, I'll go to different people because some banks, for example, they don't like you go and ask them for equity, they're like, you know, get out of here. They're, they're not going to entertain you at all. Um, but if you go to, let's say, a family office, they're, they have, let's say they've got 100 million to deploy in a 12 month period. They'd be like, right, 33 million is gonna be for low risk stuff. We'll be looking for three, four, 5% returns. Then we've got our medium risk, which would be like our mezzanine stuff. So we're gonna want second charges. We're gonna be looking for uh, that extra little slither on top. And then we're gonna go and do the really risky stuff. And we've got another 33 million for the high risk, 20% plus. And that's what, how they hedge their money. So you just gotta find somebody that has the right risk appetite for, yeah. for what you're doing. Wow, wow, wow. So much information, I don't even know where to start from. <laughs> That's what happens when you're speaking to a financial expert and you're trying to understand all the different uh, type of ways, you know, we can raise money and, and you know, and, and stuff. So now, Sam, obviously in your property career so far, you've done, you've, you've basically raised finance from zero to 300 million, all right? And Raising, raising zero to 300 million is a lot of money, you know, and um, obviously your new company now, Mary Oaks is, you know, it's also there to, to continue to provide short-term lending, development, lending, and so on. So talk us through, you know, you know, the different types of, you know, things that you do, you know, right now, and, you know, the different types of ways that you can obviously help property investors like myself, like many others, 
who are looking to do small projects. So I, I, I would say I do small projects at the minute because I'm buying houses, uh, free bed houses, and converting them into a sui generis HMO or an HMO with a mandatory you know, license use class, C4, or a, you know, a sui generis, seven, you know, seven occupancy. Now, what kind of sort of funding would you have for such, you know, property developers as myself that are doing, you know, deals that are, I would classify as a smaller deal, not, not the land development yet, or not the, um, um, you know, the house, you know, buying the land and building the house here. So what sort of fundings are available to them? Is it would you be uh, a straight mortgage purchase deal or, you know, or buying using a bridging finance, you know, uh, to take over control of the property and then get the development finance? Yeah. What are the creative ways? So, so in terms of, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned like what, where you're at and not the land development. Profe- like professionally, over the last five, six years, I've, all, I've been doing stuff kind of over a million. Okay. Personally, everything's been sub one million. It still is today. You know, I just did a, a conversion of a 12 bedroom, uh, 12 bathroom, three story HMO um, in, in the Northeast, 3,000 square foot, converted into nine self contained studios. So, just a remodel more than anything. Um, and that one, you know, it's gonna, the GDP is going to be worth just under half a million. So the, I, everything makes money at the end of the day. So, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and I think starting small and thinking big is, is a really good way to go. And it's a good way to, to manage risk as you grow. But in terms of funding those sorts of deals, the ones that you know, we've just been talking about, yeah. the HMOs, um, the right way to do it is to buy, buy it with either cash or bridging. Add the value through that period, take, be it six, 12 months, however long it takes you to do mm-hmm. it, um, and then refinance onto a term loan um, so that you've got that really low cost of capital and then you can be creaming the, the cash, you know, the, the profit at the end of every month from your high yielding income generating asset. That's, that's the right way to do it. So why, why can't people buy with a mortgage? So obviously we, we, we started with a buy to let, obviously I see HMOs are small because, you know, maybe that's just how I see it, you know, because I intend to do some bigger deals. But again, you still have, you still have landlords or property developers or property investors who literally focus day in, day out on buy to let. But I want to focus a little bit on HMO because that's my field, that's where I play. Yeah. It is my level ground where I'm very comfortable, although I'm, you know, looking to stretch myself. Now, why can't I go and buy a property right now with a mortgage on a 25% standard buy to let and then develop that property into an HMO without bridging any terms? The, the, you'd have to speak to that lender and tell them that you're going to be making significant changes to the property. Because mm. effectively, you're, they're lending you the money against what they consider to be, um, let's say, a three-bedroom house or a, or a five-bedroom house, whatever, the, you know, yeah. whatever that asset is. They're lending against that security. So if you then go and over the next three six months completely change the, the the layout and the and the the essence of what that security is, even if you're adding value in your opinion, in their eyes they're saying, well, we're lending you on that asset, and if something goes wrong, our security has been compromised. Mm. So they're like, if you want to take more risk with our money that we're lending you, then giving us let's say three percent four percent is not enough. We want you to give us like bridging rate returns. So, so, so you can have the conversation up front with that lender because some lenders are okay with it. Very few that are doing the term stuff. They will ask you things because you can say, look, if I can add value through some home improvements, 
would you be able to give me a further advance and then can I refinance some of that money that I've spent on the property out? Yeah. That can happen on a case-by-case -case basis, usually very light refurbishment. If you're putting in like en-suites into absolutely everywhere, if you're taking the, the use class from a C3 residential into a sui generis, you, you're effectively changing the entire security yeah, of that yeah, property. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're very risk-averse in doing that. There are lenders out there that you can have a chat to that are a lot more commercially minded, yeah. um, but in general, um, the bridging to, to term loan is the right way to do that. It's the most common way, it's the easiest way. There is always exceptions to every rule. In general, in life, I always say that. You know, just like we were saying, like everything has pros and cons, we were Absolutely. saying that before. There's exceptions to every rule, mm. but as a general rule, bridge to develop and then refinance is, is the right way to do it. So in terms of, you know, definitely, you know, we know we can't use a mortgage, you know, because of what you just said, all the points that you raised there in terms of you will be changing the security on that, you know, you know you'll be changing the, uh, the initial terms without permission. You want permission. Yeah. Yeah, but if you do get a permission, fine. But the truth is, we know most lenders are going to, you know. You've you got to put yourself in the lender's yeah. position, right? So I'm going to lend you the money to whether it be £75,000 on a £100,000 property or it's in London, it's a £750,000 <laughs> on a million pound property. I'm going to lend you all this money and then you're going to go and make all these changes. I'll lend you the money, but not on that cheap rate. That's no. basically what they're I saying. Want, I, want a, I want a slice of it. Yeah, exactly. You're going to add how much value? You're going to take all these risks? You're going to have a, over what period? So I'm taking more risk with you. I'll lend you the money, but just not at that cheap rate. No. Once it's a settled asset, once it's all done up nicely, once it's going through that stabilization period of like, hey, it's going to be rented out to tenants, and, and, and an investor can just come and buy it off the shelf as an income-generating asset, We'll give you that cheap product again so that you can you know, sit on it for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. In the meantime, while you're going through this risky construction process, we just want to get make sure that our money is getting the kind of return that it should be when it, while it's exposed to that risk. That's how they think. Wow, wow, wow. So that, that brings me to the next question, which is the bridging finance or bridging loans, as it's yeah. properly called. So what are the benefits of using bridging finance? And you know, obviously, as a financial expert yourself, and you you do deal with all these different types of finances. You know, what, most people have this sort of perception about we really need to develop, uh, deliver this. So just like when you've got a usual um, valuation, right? So yeah. like I've got, I'm gonna buy something or I'm refinancing, so I need, you have a valuation at both times, right? Of course you'll need a valuation and the valuation will determine the land value the residual land value, so this is the land value that it's worth with the planning approval, um, which has its own calculation. Um, then you've got the um, GDV value it will give you. Mm. And then it will estimate what the build costs are based on BCIS and based on a bunch of other calculations that are kind of in the public domain for quantity surveyors. Because what you'll then need is a QS report. You'll need a quantity surveyor to provide a separate report that will really n like nail down what your build costs are. And they'll be going to super detail, speaking to architects, speaking to ground workers, speaking yeah. to subcontractors. Mm -hmm. So all of the different packages that will make up a building, so you know, whether you're up, building 100 units in the Midlands or uh, you know, 14 units up in the Northeast, wherever it might be, slightly different build costs, slightly different cost of labor, yeah. slightly different materials, but possibly. Um, locally, they will be determining, almost down to the screw, 
how much that how much you're going to need, and you're not allowed to go over that budget. If you do go over that budget, the no money's going to come from you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, exactly. You're wow, wrong. wow. I'm sure, like, people must be wondering on this podcast, man, he's gone really, really deep into this. So, I mean, this is what we're here to do on the, on the Wealth and Business podcast, kind of give you a lot of light bulb moments on how you can do anything property or how you can create any success in your life, having the right mindset, um, and, you know, and doing what's right in your, in your journey into becoming successful. It's all about creating wealth, and there's never been such a time on this planet right now to build wealth because information has never been this cheap before. You know, um, I've lived in this country now for 17 years, going to 18 years. Information that we have in the last six years has never been this cheap. Absolutely. Uh, and it's everywhere. So if you want to know more, you want to find out more, we run multiple training programs. Sam is going to be talking about his business shortly. And, uh, and you can also reach out to him personally. Sam, just before we go on this podcast right now, so... You are currently the, the founding partner of Mary Oaks. So what do you do uh, within that company structure at the moment? So Mary Oaks Property Finance is a debt and equity advisory firm yeah. for SME property developers, investors across the UK. Um, we source um, and allocate funds for uh, developers, investors, whether they're doing um, portfolio building, whether they're doing property development, um, we help them through all of their funding requirements. So from bridging to development finance, exit finance, portfolio finance, VAT bridging, commercial loans, um, whatever the case may be, whatever they're trying to do, um, we help them through that. I think the one thing that we have as well that a lot of other commercial brokers don't necessarily have there are some really good ones but there are some not so great ones i mean as a lender you know i reviewed so many applications and there were it was quite obvious that either that person wasn't necessarily um an investor developer themselves so they didn't understand how things worked on that side of the table they certainly couldn't help with gdvs or understanding some of the numbers on the exit which is where you crystallize profits because they didn't have that experience um, and from where I'm sitting now, they, they, they were never lenders, so they don't understand what the credit process is in great detail. Um, what we were able to do with our background, with our experience, having been um, estate agents, investors, developers, landlords and lenders, is really cr create um, uh, an environment where we're, we're able to provide a really holistic advice and approach to, to, to providing solutions to these investors and developers for all their funding requirements. Wow. So in, in basically for the layman who's listening to this, because we've got a lot of audience are listening, we've got massive listening internationally as well. Um, so you're not a broker, you're a financial provider. Yeah, I mean, well, I, broker, we, we do broker deals. You okay. know, we, 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 I think we provide that next level of service whereby we can source debt, you know, we can source equity, but we just provide that little bit more of an advisory role to be able to say, this is the right finance, oh, this finance works for you, mm. but is it the right finance for you? And what are you gonna do as the next stage? And is this even a good deal in the first place? Should you be looking at something else? Or, okay, we've got like three or four deals here. How do we kind of piece all of this together? Mm. Is there, is, and then do we go above lending as well. We don't just do the lending, we do the equity as well. Mm. So we can advise a little bit more holistically. And I think that, yes, we broker, we can, we can get cash for you, uh, capital for your projects. 
but we can provide that advisory service as well, which I think for a lot of people that are growing, which is typically our, um, our client base, they're very aspirational. Um, they want to grow. They want to yeah. go to the next step. Yeah. And they want to be working with other people that have done exactly that. Yeah. Literally, like, I think if you're going to take advice from people, it's take advice from the people that have just done what you're trying to do. And I think mm -hmm. that that's why you've been really, really um, powerful in your space and yeah. that you're, you're, you're talking the talk, but you've just walked the walk as well, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that that experience rubs off on other people um, in a very positive way and, and mitigates risk. And that's what this whole game is about, right? Wow. Absolutely. That's what it's about. Great, great, Sam. Thank you so, so much. Like, this is basically episode one of your um, of your episode and definitely I'm going to be bringing you back over and over and over and over again so we can continue to educate and empower people and just to show basically that it's possible to build for you to go from a buy-to-let landlord, build a HMO portfolio and become a natural real-time property developer, just exactly what I've done in the last, what, six years now? Literally started from borrowing people's properties to now building a massive, you know, You've HMO. done incredibly well. I remember the early conversations yeah. you had, you were always really inquisitive, and it's clear that you've soaked up absolutely everything. Yeah. And you've done what a lot of other people don't do, is mm. they, you've actioned it. You've, you've taken massive action. Yeah. Um, and here we are today, and, and, and you've got a lot of results already to show for it, and I'm sure you're going to do even better. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we can't wait to kind of impact, impact life, change people. You know, we, we're not here to change the world because the world is where it is already. But what we're trying to do is to impact people, you know, impact people that could then go and change their own world. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I had, to impact my, I had to impact my world and I had to impact myself and impact my family and to, to become the person that I am now. So it's a number of thousands and millions of people that we can help make that decision as long as they're willing, you know, to, 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 to put in the work, take the action, and get the successes that they want, and obviously having the right people around them. It's an absolute pleasure, uh, Sam, having you on the on the Wealth and Business podcast. So, for those who want to reach out to you, what services do you provide, and how can you help investors? Do you deal with buy-to-let landlords? Do you deal with upcoming newbies, you know, property investors, experience? You know, what kind of services do you provide? So, I'm I'm very much I've got. A little podcast as well. It's called Property People, which is my two favorite things: property yeah. and people. Yeah. So I've got a lot of time for people. So I, whether you're just starting out, I think everybody needs help. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I like about your education business as well is that you can uh, reach out to people that are young and that, or, or whatever age, but they just want to make a change. They want to, you know, um, build wealth and, and create that financial freedom for themselves and their family. So. Yeah. Always willing to jump on a call or, or, or guide anybody that, that needs that advice. I deal with a lot of experienced developers uh, and investors as well. That's predominantly my client base is uh, the, the guys that are really experienced but want to be taking that next step. So maybe they've been doing you know five, six, seven, eight units and now they want to do 20, 30 units. We've just been on site last week where we're looking at 60 units in Northampton uh, for a developer that's scaling up their development business. So it's kind of... Um, investment of time the most valuable commodity is time 
I like to pick up the phone. These days, video calls are quite handy because also yeah. we've got a financial model that we can share with people. So you bring me your deal, we'll, let, we'll analyze it, we'll put it into the model, we'll see what the returns look like, we'll see what the debt and equity requirements are, we'll, we'll stress test it with lower leverage or higher leverage, and we'll see how, how, you know, how, that, how that deal really looks. We'll go and look at the GDVs. I don't mind doing these kind of deal clinics with a lot of developers, and, and, and a lot of my clients these days as well are contractor developers. Um, these are builders that want to kind of like get in on the action on the on the upside. So I always tell them, look, let's just, and it could be a buy to let as well. I've got one lady that I had a conversation with a couple of days ago. She's like, I just want to, I want to buy a buy to let, but you know, how do I calculate the yields and how do I know that it's a good deal? What if I want to do uh, spruce up the place and then add value to it? And we, you know, I tell her the pros and cons. Like if you if you buy a property for two fifty and you spend twenty five thousand pounds on it, but it's only worth two sixty by the end of it, you're going to be in negative equity. Is that what you want? Uh, are you okay with that? You know, and this is going to be your net cash flow at the end. You know, these are small numbers in in the grand scheme of what we do. But I just like giving that um, that guidance back to her, and just for that, just for the for the audience here, that particular person scenario situation is different to everybody else's yeah she's like sam you know what i'm gonna own this I, I really like this property because it's literally on the next road to where i live i want this to be my little nest egg for my kids and my grandkids so i just want to buy it now and i want to hold it for 20 years i'm like so if you're going to be in negative equity of fifteen thousand pounds for the next 20 years buy it if it's easy for you to manage and you know the area and you know it's going to rent it out and you know the local agent and he's going to give you a deal on on the management just buy it, you know, who cares about negative equity for 15 yeah. grand? Yeah. So it's by speaking with people, understanding what they're trying to achieve, that we can really help them achieve their end goal. Wow, fantastic. It's been a pleasure having you, Sam, on the Worth and Business Podcast. So guys, for those of you who are listening in, we're going to be having Sam on our, on our upcoming networking events, probably before summer uh, 2022. He's going to be speaking in one of our events in Victoria. Uh, so make sure you come and see him in person, meet and greet him, you know, uh, contact as well and, you know, build relationships. It's all about building power team, building relationships and connecting with real people. And also, guys, uh, for you to know as well, we will be uh, launching our Property Wealth Awards in November 2022. So stay tuned as well as we will be sharing information about the awards. And also we're looking to, to be, um, to, we're also looking uh, to be uh, launching our Business and Wealth Summit in November as well. So make sure you look at all this on our social media handles, on our LinkedIn profile, our website. All this information is going to be, going to be coming out. So we can't wait to, to kind of go together, grow wealth and empower people as we always do at the Big Property Wealth and Business Podcast. So looking forward to seeing every single one of you. So take care and stay blessed.